Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We were going to sign Drew Brees as a free agent or trade for Dante Culpepper. Bowl games and playoffs are going to have a tough time coexisting together. After winning a championship, you know, how soon do you get ready for the next season? Well, I guess it starts in a locker room after the game. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, welcome to All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Man, the name says it all. If you like what you hear, make sure you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. Just visit youtube.com slash allthingscovered. So make sure you subscribe and turn on your alerts so you can get the show right away. Pat P, man, we got a special show. What are we going to cover on this episode? Hey, yo, Mac, we use that word go in sports a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, yo. But we got a true goat joining us today, a man that used to coach at my school. Now he coach at the rival. He really needs no introduction, man. No got question. seven national championships. Seven. And counting. And counting. Seven national championships. No other. Nick Saban. All things will be covered. Trust me, you do not want to miss this. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Listeners, viewers, you guys know what time it is. For our faithful fans who've been following our show the first quarter, it's time to chop it up. And because we have the GOAT. The greatest of all time when it comes to college football. Joining our show a little later. Make sure you stay tuned. You don't want to miss this conversation with Nick Saban. Uh, we decided to take this version of chopping it up and ask a big time question to our very own Pat Pete. The biggest difference between college football and the pros. And we're just, we're angling this because of who we have joining the show later in our episode. But for Pat P, in your opinion, what is the biggest difference between college football and professional football? I'm going to go with the atmosphere, like the stadium atmosphere. Only like a handful of teams that have like that true college atmosphere. Now, once playoff time roll around, you get that atmosphere, you get that intensity because every play matters. I think that's what the difference is. And I think because, you know, the college feel has more, you know, I, I think the fans have more blood into it. So mm -hmm. that's why they have more passion. They have more, you know, they feel like they have more into it to give, you know, their piece to their team to push them over the edge to get a job. So I'll probably say having, you know, that intensity from the crowd each and every week um, is the difference from the pros into the league. And I know for me to piggyback off what you were saying about the atmosphere, one thing that I think is is highly different in favor of college football that adds to the atmosphere is the bands. Right? No, you was gonna say that. The bands, when you walk in when you walk into the stadium or you're pulling up to the stadium, you either see the band outside going in, playing them drunk. <laughs> Hey, you know it's showtime. Yeah, when you hit it, when you hit them drums, when you hit a trumpet, when you hit everything, the saxophone, man, you know it's college football. And, and and for me, for us, especially in South Florida, bands were extremely important to football teams in high on the high school level. You know what I mean? The halftime shows, just the interaction, and most universities, Power Five, big 
blue blood football programs don't have that the best fans, but they can still give you that same energy that you're used to. You know what I mean? So for me, it's the bands. And I think it would be dope if NFL could incorporate that to some degree, because I think that provides to the atmosphere for college football. And that's, that's a big, big difference, uh, a big, a big difference for me. When you look at professionally in college football, just the bands. And I think fans would agree with me too. When you sitting in the stadium or you watching TV and you hear those band, that band going in. Man, college, college, man. I mean, if I had to, I mean, I'd definitely go back to college, you know, and play, play the game because it's nothing like college in general, but mm -hmm. it's nothing like those growing those friendships that you have with your buddies going through those fourth quarter days going through spring practice, then having to go back in the dorm room with them or, you know, with, yeah. with their teammate or whatever. Or, it's, it's nothing like those days. Or walking through campus after just having a big game when everybody, yeah, when quad. you walk past everybody double taking, yeah. looking at you. Like, well, that's such and such, right? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. That's me. You, you, you know, you walk through the quad or whatever. You know, you, we yeah, had the yeah, union in Tallahassee. Like we had the union. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, the league, the only thing that's different is, is the pay. Cause you got, like I said, these kids' locker room are state of the art. They work out facility, state of the art. I mean, these kids got iPads in their lockers. You name it. They got their own nowadays. They got their own hyperbaric chambers now in, in these facilities. I, you know I, I mean? I, and I know for you, you know, you decided to leave school early as a junior after your junior mm -hmm. year. But here are some of the things you, you, you mentioned regarding college football. Did you think about those things and deciding to leave that? element of college football early did you think about these things mac i knew i was leaving college early when i was in high school <laughs> like i knew <laughs> like i knew i was going to spend three years wherever i was going yeah was that was your plan years. that was my plan that was my plan that was my goal fourth year was not even in consideration get there in three years three i'm three and out that was that was man, they used to call me that in, in high school i swear to god ryan lewis he was one of my close buddies, and uh, I had a bunch of close buddies, but he was probably one of the closest ones because he, he had a chance to play on the level that, I, that I'm on right now. Mm -hmm. But he used to call me D1. And D1, obviously, you know what D1 means. That's Division, Division one. one program. Yep. He was like, yeah, D1, man, three and out. That used to be, that used to always be be my uh, the motto in, uh, in high school, D1, three and out. <laughs> you made it happen, coach. You <laughs> yeah. definitely made it yeah. happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Blessing. No question. Listeners and viewers, let us know your take on this. You know, what, what do you like better? College football, professional football? You can go either direction, but I, I can tell you this much. I know you guys would agree with us when it comes to the atmosphere and the bands. That's, that makes college football a little different. Now it's time for Around the League. And here's where we tap into the news throughout the National Football League. And I think you guys have heard big news coming from Dallas. Cowboys Nation. Dak Prescott signs a long-term deal with the Cowboys finally. Four-year deal worth up to $164 million with $126 million guaranteed. Deal includes a no-trade clause. $75 million in year one, the most in NFL history. Pat P., I think he got like 66 just to sign his name, the biggest signing bonus ever career stats yep. 42 and 27 record completed 66 percent of his passes 106 touchdowns 40 interceptions thoughts on the deal finally getting done for Dak Prescott Pat Pete 
Man, I I was praying that Dallas would make this right for this man because the things that you that you did for Tony Romo, no, nothing against Tony Romo, and like you know, Coach Saban said, if you don't have a quarterback, it's a good opportunity. You can't win, and you guys saw that this year in the backups court, the backup play that you had this season. So I'm happy that they got the deal done. Finally, I'm I'm kind of you know upset that they drug it out the way that they did. Uh, you know, because it it didn't it didn't need to take this long. You know, the guy's definitely proved himself. You know, over the years that he did play um, for that organization, you know, so uh, well deserving of uh of this mega mega deal being you know the most in the first year seventy five million dollars. You said what sixty plus mil just to sign his name. Um, so I'm excited to see Dak come back and, and, and ball because that's all he did since he's been in the starting lineup, and is that's ball and give his team an opportunity to win. To win, and you know he had a, a great start to the season um, this year under Mike McCartney. So uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do uh, uh, under year two under Mike, and it's going to be exciting to see uh, Dak have this ba- bounce back season after that injury he had last year. And you know what, Pat, just hearing you talk about Dak Prescott, and I don't know how personally you know him or if you don't really know him personally, but I think that would be con- the consensus regarding this news with Dak Prescott. I think more people are happy for him, even if you hate the Cowboys, because Dak Prescott seems to be a real good guy, a high-character guy. And I think we – I know me personally, I love seeing good things happen to good people and just being able to see Dak Prescott finally get the deserving contract that he wanted I'm happy for him. I don't even know him personally. And it's funny how you, you, you know, you mentioned uh, a good point talking about the drawn out process from last year and he got hurt. But think about this though. Remember last year he said he wanted a four year deal around 40 million. People laughed at him. He got it right. this year. Remember last year he played under the franchise tag. And I think that franchise number was around 30 million or so, right? Yeah. But think about plus. this 30 plus. But think about this listeners and viewers. He will get 75 this upcoming season. This year. So if you add that 30 that he just received from the Cowboys last year, in two years, this man has seen, he will see over $100 million. Think about that. That's something that has really gone unnoticed. Unnoticed, Under yeah. the radar. Under the radar because the franchise tag was a one-year deal. But I don't know if there's ever Guaranteed. been a man. Guaranteed. I don't know if there's ever been a man in a two-year span to see at least a hundred million dollars in a contract. So if you combine what he made last year with this upcoming season, that Prescott is going to make over a hundred million dollars in two years. Yeah. Hey, hey and t- hats off to that because he not only he knew his worth, but he stood his ground. He stood his ground. He knew what he wanted, and he got what he wanted. And I can tell you this much, Pat P. And I said this when this when his injury happened. In the season. And people were like, what do you mean? I said, this might be a blessing in disguise because technically he earned more leverage not playing with the, with them losing. Yep. You know, and and they they saw, they finally came to terms and understood life without that Prescott is not the same as life with that Prescott. Exactly. Good things happen to good people. And they clearly worked out well for that Prescott. 
to those who wait. Yeah, to those who wait. And he'll get right back to the table at the age of 31, which is like 21 now when we look at the quarterback play. He'll be able to get right back to the table and cash in on that huge TV deal that will be coming up in their near future National Football League. So Jerry Jones, man, well done. I know I know you was trying to, you know, hold on to every dollar, especially going back to last year, but you saw how valuable this man is to to your organization. And last question before we transition to my favorite part of the show and has Pat heard. Why do you think that Prescott receives so much criticism and hate though? Like it seems like he is uh, one of the more hated or criticized quarterbacks in the National Football League. Do you think it's because of who he is as a player or the organization he plays for? Hmm. I'll probably say two things. Mm-hmm. I think it's the organization that he plays for. And he, he he plays phenomenal. I mean, he plays phenomenal well. His stats don't lie. His numbers yeah, are there. 42 and 27. Yeah, I just don't know what it is about African-American quarterbacks. Mm. I just think he's an African-American quarterback. They got to find something negative to say, especially when he's doing it the right way. And Dak is what a, a model model citizen does everything the right way. You never heard anything about him in you know outside of football. Do nothing but uplift his teammates. I mean, one time I I never forget this clip. It happened what like three years ago of him throwing a throwing away a paper club cup and hit the ground, and him going to pick it up and throw it away. I mean, so. I don't know what it is, Mac. Those are the only two things I can think of because, you know, the guy does everything the right way. He wins. Um, you know, he's a leader. Good guy. And, you know, he's a great guy. You know, yeah. not a, a great guy. You know what I mean? So I don't know what it is. You know, I think they it's just always just African-American quarterbacks always have a knock on them because, you know, certain people feel like we can't, we can't hold that torch. We can't you know, run the business or, you know, carry a team in a manner or in a, in a fashion that the other ones do. Yeah. And, and, and to, to back your point, you know, about that, I remember going back to the last year when people were saying he shouldn't get paid that type of money, the money he's asking for. You know, when it comes to contracts, and if you're a fan of the game of football, you should understand and know contracts are not solely about if you're the best player. If you're right. a good player for your organization – Nine times out of ten, you're probably going to reset the market. You know what I mean? And that's the yeah. other thing, too, what these people don't understand, too. At some point, like you said, it's not all about if you're, you know, if you're worth that. It's all about hitting hitting it at the right time. Yep. Everybody gets lucky at the right time. That's just like saying if Randy Moss is playing in our, in our era, he'll be getting $20, $30 million a year as well. He just wasn't playing in our time. Yep. So that just hit the perfect timing or – when it was time for him to get paid, Dallas couldn't pay nobody else. They had to put their money in, in, into somebody who they felt that, that they can be a face of their organization. And he's that. What other 31 quarterbacks in the league that you can get right now that's better than that present that's available to you right now that's better mm-hmm. than that Prescott that you want to pay? Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. You I mean, mean? And, and to follow up, you know, when or with your statement about black quarterbacks being judged a little differently, uh, you know, currently right now, you know, Deshaun Watson, Watson asking for a trade clearly was criticized more than Carson Wentz asking for a trade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and some people felt like, hey, Deshaun Watson, he's being uh, selfish. Uh, he's being unfair. But we didn't hear those right. words coming 
coming in regards to Carson Wentz, like we've heard regarding Deshaun Watts. Right. Well, guys, you know what time it is. The favorite part of the show for me. Has Pat heard? And I can tell you this much, Pat P. I've been listen, uh, looking at some of the messages we've been receiving on social media. There are a lot of fans that really enjoy this part of the show as well. They said that they've been a bit surprised to see uh, the success you're having with these questions. Your overall record so far is 9-14. and 14, And the reason why we have this part of the show called Has Pat Heard for you new fans of the show – during the offseason, Pat P, he's traveling a lot. He's moving around. He's golfing. He's working out. So he's not really in tune to what is going on in the sporting world. So we decided to implement this part of the show to see exactly have Pat heard this, have Pat heard that. So the first question for Pat P, and has Pat heard? Kyler Murray's hat choice caused a stir at the Suns game. Did you hear that? I did not. Wait a minute. I didn't Pat even P. know the Suns were even having fans. At the game. Well, they're having fans. Your quarterback, Kyler Murray, decided yeah, to last doubt. week before All-Star uh, weekend, uh, I guess the week of All-Star weekend leading up to the weekend festivities, uh, he uh, wore an Oakland Athletics hat while sitting courtside. Of course, the Athletics oh, drafted him ninth overall a few years ago. Remember, the Athletics drafted him. I know. I know, but what's wrong with wearing a hat? Well, you know how sometimes the fans can be extremely sensitive, so a lot of speculation ensued He don't play online. baseball. What do you want? They want him to wear a Diamondbacks hat. It's a hat. Yeah, I can see if he had a different NFL. Yeah, I can see if it's a different NFL team hat. Yeah, that's that's different. But it was a whole nother sport. It's the team who drafted him. What is the problem? But I did not hear that story. Okay, so you oh and one. (laughs) Do you think Kyler would ever try to play pro baseball? No. I'm right there with you. I don't think so either. Man, you man, you see what these quarterbacks getting nowadays? What yeah, I, I know, know baseball is different. I understand baseball is different, but I yeah, think he's you got you got to work a little harder up that up that ladder to get I, that I, baseball. Money. And 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 to back your statement about not playing baseball, I think he is clearly closer to being elite in the game of foot game of football than baseball, yeah, yeah. and that elite status would bring elite like money. So I agree with For you. Sure. Second question: In has Pat heard Johnny Manziel and Josh Gordon are teammates again? Have you heard that? <laughs> Teammates were. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't know they're teammates? They're both on the Zappers in the fan-controlled football league. It's like arena football. The Zappers. Fan-controlled arena football league. Yeah, it's it's like where the fans can kind of control the game. They can kind of pick offensive plays. It's like social media related where they can kind of, yeah, they can kind of call offensive plays for you. It's like arena. It's the field is only 50 yards for the Zappers. So you're telling me that somebody can text in a message to Johnny Menzel say, run this play? I think so. Yeah. Stop it, man. I ain't trying to hear that. All right, first of all, I, I have not heard that. Okay. And fans control arena football league? Yeah, they said they pick plays on Twitch. It's a poll. So fans send their, their play in on Twitch, and I guess the team picks the play. Man, why them boys playing Fan controlled football league. In his debut – Gordon had four catches for 70 yards and two touchdowns, including a game-winning Hail Mary. Kind of looked like DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> on that Hail Mary, by the way. <laughs> Pat, you didn't hear that one. Fan control football. Man, why are they playing this, man? I don't, I don't know, Pat. I, I, mean, I, I heard about it. I did hear like, about it, though. Like, I I would feel better. You know what the league need to do? They need to come up with a retirement flag football league. Oh. I think, I think that would be better, man. That might be pretty good. A retirement flag football league. 
for retired these, players. Them little, yeah, them little, this little fan control. Come on, man. Well, number eight, we we gonna we gonna show you some highlights of this fan control football. I need I need to see. I don't, I don't care how what it looked like. They don't need to be playing in that. <laughs> <laughs> they playing against Joe's, bro. I don't know, but I know you owing two right now. Man, that's fine, but <laughs> man, with the zappers, the zappers, yeah, where the zappers Come are located on, at? Man. I don't uh, know. Uh, <laughs> you asking me? Yeah, I don't know why. I ain't never even heard about no. I ain't never heard about no command control football league. Yeah, I don't you know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why I asked you that question. Uh, All right, let me. Johnny see Manziel said, right "Win or lose, we booze." That's his motto. <laughs> That's what he say. Win or lose, we booze. I guess you can do that in the fan control football league. <laughs> hey, man. At hey, I'm a booze on my, uh, yeah, I got my, my safety. Yeah, I got my right here, too. Shout out to Johnny Manziel and Josh Gordon. Win or lose, we booze. All right. All right man. The I last know, I one for you. Right, hey, I hey, I, I don't know. I, I don't bleed too much in you right now, Pat P. Hey, the last one for you. Baker Mayfield said he saw a UFO. Baker tweeted last week almost 100%. Um, I just saw a UFO drop straight out of the sky on our way home from dinner. We stopped and looked at each other and asked if either of us saw it. In Cleveland. You hear Baker? in Cleveland. No, I think he was in Texas. Oh, he was home, Texas. Nah, I don't owe for three today, man. But anyway. Lake Travis. He was in Lake Travis. That's in Texas. Texas. Yeah. No, nah, man. Baker you didn't hear Texas. that either about the UFO. Yeah, I'm on three. I'm on three today. You're on three. But, yeah, Have bake, you ever bake, seen anything kind of crazy out in Arizona? I heard there have been a lot of alleged UFO sightings out in AZ. Have you ever seen anything crazy out there? No, man. The only thing I see out in AZ that's in the sky is these beautiful sunsets. Yep, like you have right behind you right now. Yeah, that's it. But other than that, no, nah, bigger tripping. Yep. Well, you, well, you, well, 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 dang, Pat. Okay. Hold on for a second. Let me count something up. You came in today's segment nine of 14. Hey, I'm, got, I'm nine of 17 now. Yeah. You're nine of 17 right now. So, okay. That ain't a good look. It was a bad week. Don't no worry. You bounced back. At least that Prescott got paid. Now it's time for 21 questions. But listeners and viewers, make sure you stay tuned because after halftime, we have Nick Saban joining the show, All Things Covered, Patrick Peterson, and Brian McFadden. So you don't want to miss this one-on-one conversation with Nick Saban. But 21 questions. Here's where we get a chance to interact with you, the fans. All right, the listeners and viewers, if you want to uh, have your question answered here on the show in the near future, leave a question attached to a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we'll try to get to it live on our show. Question coming from Gucci underscore Kobe 24 via Apple Podcast. This question is for you, Pat P. What was your favorite NFL team growing up? And since you're a free agent now, would you consider joining your favorite team? Uh, my favorite team, my absolute favorite team was the Dolphins. But I also used to like uh, whatever team uh, Dion played for. So I rooted for Dallas. The Cowboys, uh, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Washington, uh, late when he came to Baltimore. The Baltimore, yep. Yeah, so wherever Prime was, I was a fan. <laughs> you know, so but Dolphins was a, a team that I definitely grew up watching each and every Sunday, you know, no matter where they played, you know, who they play, I watched the Dolphin game because that's all I knew up in my household, my grandmother and my grandfather, Aunt Margaret, my dad, yeah, Uncle my v. dad, yeah, my dad, so Uncle Sean, 
So that's they all our Dolphin fans. Zach, but as far as considered playing for, you know, you know I consider playing for, yeah, I consider playing for anybody that have, like Nick said, a quarterback. You know, if you, if you don't have a quarterback, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be pretty difficult when trying to win a football game. So you know, whoever has a, a quarterback that can spin the rock and um, also collect enough wins to get in the playoffs, that gives it, give us a shot to, you know, win it all. That's good insight there, Pat P, because, you know, with you getting ready to be a free agent, right, in the next few days or so, you know, people have been wondering, what are you considering, you know, for the, the, the next phase of your career, where you are considering? That's pretty cool insight that the quarterback is very, very important for you. Granted, the finances is, is important, but being on a team that has a, a legit quarterback, that's extremely important to you. So, right. I guess when you look at the teams that have been connected to your name to some degree, I guess for fans that are rooting for you to sign with their team, their favorite team, you got to have a pretty good quarterback is what Pat P is saying. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> there you have it. Hey, preach, uh, thank you for your question. Gucci underscore Kobe 24 via Apple Podcasts. Like I said, uh, if you would like to have your question involved in the show, you got to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we definitely will try to get to your question. Well, you know what time it is. It's time for halftime. Uh, but before we get to our legendary guests, I wanted to let you guys know that you can find all things covered content on Facebook. Yes, we're finally mm-hmm. on the book. Search yes, all things covered pod. Give us a like and a follow, and we'll feature the best clips from the show and be able to interact more with our fans. We're on Facebook. So all our older fans. Oh, heads, go that, get us. Go watch us, baby. That, that, that don't tap into the Twitter world or the Instagram world, but taps into the Facebook world. We right there with you guys. So let us know how you feel. Now, make sure you share others, with your mutual friends too. Yeah, share. T- tell someone to have them tell someone and have them tell someone about all things covered, the content that we've been able to provide you guys, the consistency and the entertainment and informing you guys, not to mention the outstanding guests. And speaking of guests on the opposite side of the break, We'll be joined by Nick Saban. Quick question for the listeners and viewers. How many times have you heard Nick Saban join a podcast? Think about Mm. that. Have you ever seen Nick Saban just join a podcast? I don't know. All things covered. Must be living right. Stay tuned. Well, we're back from halftime. And like we promised you guys earlier in the show, man, we have an iconic individual joining us here all things covered patrick peterson and brian mcfadden technically this individual he really doesn't need an intro but i gotta give him his just due you know you gotta give people their flowers while they're still here and i got a whole bouquet of flowers i'm about to provide for this individual i mean when you look at his current situation right now record overall record at the university of alabama 170 and 23 only 23 losses when you look at his championships a seven-time national champion we just saw the most recent champion a few months ago down in Miami. Some people say he's the greatest to ever do it. I know he won't say that, but when you talk about being a dominant figure in sports, he has to be one of the more dominating presidents we've ever seen standing on the sideline. Coach Nick Saban joining us here, all things covered. Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden. First and foremost, Coach, thank you for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Appreciate you guys having me. Uh, no, no doubt. Before we get into the football uh, aspect of your life, you have another passion, right? It's not just coaching balls, not just coaching DBs and, and coaching championship like teams, but you have a passion on the golf course. And a few months ago, coach, I don't know if you know, 
but we had one of your former assistants on our show in Kirby Smart. And we would like to give you a quick sound bite on what <laughs> Kirby had to say about your golf game. First tee box, everybody has kind of an unwritten rule. You know, you get two off the first tee. So I hit my first one bad, and I'm like, all right, I'll get my other one. We didn't warm up, so I hit my second one out in the fairway. He hits his first one out in the fairway pretty good, and he doesn't use what he calls his mulligan. So mm-hmm. he's, I'm keeping that. So me and him are in a dead lock match. We get the whole 18. I'm finally up on him, like two strokes up on 18. I got him. I hit the ball right down the middle on 18. I know I'm going to win now. He hits his drive on 18 out in the woods, and he says, I'm going to use my mulligan. But I'm like, you can't do that. <laughs> well, now, Cur- uh, Coach, Kirby said that day he tied you. But he said he believed you you using the mulligan, I think, on hole 18 led to that tie. What are your response to hearing that statement come from Kirby Smart? Well, the way I look at it and everybody that plays with me, you know, I'm older than all these guys. They, they all still that <laughs> belly and all that. And I'm 69 years old. So I think that I should, if I don't use my mulligan on the first tee, I call it a traveler. So that mulligan. Okay. With me right now, these guys do not, they didn't tell you the part about there's no compassion. I still play from the back tees where they play from. Right? I don't move up and play where I'm supposed to play from. So all I want is a traveler in return, right? And, you know, I only get away with that with my assistants. So because <laughs> <laughs> you was able to put them, put them on to a better and bigger gig. But, uh, coach, I never heard of the traveler mulligan, though. I might have to use that one. <laughs> hey, but coach, it's beneficial. I can tell you when you hit it in the water, it's. It's helpful. Hey, Coach, one more, one more. I got a bone to pick with you real quick. It's not necessarily a bone, but I got a question to ask you because I haven't had an opportunity to speak with you after this game. But I'm going to take you back to 2009. It was about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they reviewed the play, and they said I was out of bounds. Coach, when you look at that play, was I inbounds or was I out of bounds? I know what the ref said. <laughs> was I inbounds or was I out of bounds from your point of view? I, I thought originally you were in, to be honest. And then I really couldn't see it well enough. And then I can't even remember the replays. Right. Because <laughs> that was the first year of replays that year. All right. But I, <laughs> I will say this. You know, I, I think you're a man of character, honesty, and integrity. So if you thought you were in. <laughs> <laughs> and, Pat, you were referring to that interception, right? Oh, yeah. Coach yeah, that, I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that, that interception. You know, a lot of Tiger fans feel like that missed call or that bad call led to Alabama winning that ball game. But we're not going to get into that. Now, we still and we still was down, but it would have gave us an opportunity. The momentum. To- yeah, it exactly. Clearly would have shifted momentum a little, right. a, a little bit in you guys' favor. Coach, when you talk about that matchup in 2009 with our very own Pat Peterson, he had an opportunity of matching up with one of the best wide receivers, including one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League in Julio Jones. But what do you remember about that matchup and also the prep getting ready for Pat Peterson in a Julio Jones-type battle in that ball game? Well, I think Pat was probably one of the best corners that's ever played in the SEC. So, and we certainly felt that way when we recruited him in high school and also the way he played, you know, at LSU and obviously being the fifth pick of the draft sort of verified all that. So Julio, we thought was an outstanding player as well, uh, which he's proven out to be and a great competitor, I might add, and a really good person. So it's, it, it's, it, that's what competition is all about. You know, when you have. Two really, really good players. And, you know, that's one of the things that I always talk about here. You know, guys that like competition, 
they don't mind coming to Alabama or going to a place like LSU or even Florida State. So I'm not trying to make us any different than anybody else where they know even in practice every day, they're going to compete against great players and that's going to make them better. Right. So, and, and I think that, you know, probably Patrick and Julio's both would, would agree that, you know, those kinds of matchups made them better. Uh, and they look forward to those kind of matchups because, you know, you love playing against, you know, the best players, at least at that time, against each other. So it's what competition is all about. And so one thing that I respect more than anything else as a coach is a great competitor. And that great competitor doesn't have to be on my team or our team. Uh, it's just you disrespect guys that are great competitors. And, you know, you guys obviously were both that uh, to accomplish what you accomplished and didn't get a chance to play against you, Brian, when you were in college. Uh, but, Patrick, we played all the time. <laughs> and, Coach, and, uh, with you, obviously we know you had opportunity to go off and, and coach in, in the pros and you, you had opportunity to, to coach on the Bill Belichick. What did you learn from being a head coach in the pros? Well, I think the number one thing is, first of all, I learned a lot from Belichick because he's so organized. Everyone's role in the organization, the critical factors that he looked for at every position. I mean, it was unbelievable, the organization, which that has been very helpful, I think, to me uh, coming back. But I think the number one thing I learned in professional football was before I went to pro ball, I coached every player the same in college. So, and I was always a DB coach. You guys know that. So mm-hmm. like I could backpedal the way I coached it. And he had the psychological disposition that I favored in a player. He obviously had a better chance to play than some other guy. And what you learn in pro ball is when the owner pays a guy, he's playing. So if he can't backpedal or he doesn't have the <laughs> mental makeup that you'd like to see in a player or whatever, he's going to play. So you have to learn as a coach to coach all kinds of different players. I mean, I'm talking about physical styles of players. You know, that made me better. I mean, when I was in Cleveland, we had, you know, Walls playing one corner and and Minifield playing the other. And those two guys as corners were as diabolically different as you could ever get. One guy, smaller, quicker, faster, very explosive guy. The other guy, very long, not real fast, very instinctive, not a great backpedaler, played everything in a half turn. So you learn how to coach like all kinds of different personality types, as well as all kinds of guys that had different physical characteristics. And I think coming back to college, that's helped me more than anything else because we probably get more out of more different types of players because of that. And I think that's helped us be successful. Speaking of, uh, you know, uh, the NFL, how different would your NFL coaching career have been, Coach, if you were able to sign Drew Brees? To the well, Miami Dolphins. We, we had him. So, I mean, he didn't pass the physical. So, I mean, <laughs> and I had actually, you know, Jimmy Andrews, uh, who is, he and Dr. Kane are our team doctors in Birmingham. And, you know, they operate on, do surgery on quite a few NFL players and are very highly respected. And we were going to sign Drew Brees as a free agent or trade for Dante Culpepper. And both guys had been operated on in Birmingham by Dr. Andrews and Dr. Kane. Mm-hmm. Birmingham to talk to Dr. Andrews about, okay, what do you think about these guys? I got a chance to come back. You know, this was a tough decision, lots of money. And, and he actually said Drew Brees would be fine. Mm-hmm. After Drew Brees first, and he was more concerned about Dante Culpepper's knee uh, and how would it affect his mobility, you know, in the future as a player, you know, then our doctors in Miami didn't see it that way. 
but we had the deal done. So it probably would have changed, you know, my career um, because when that happened, I was like very, very upset that I couldn't control my destiny because of somebody else's decision as a coach. Uh-huh. You know, in the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. No, right. no doubt. <laughs> right. Right. And window that you have to get one sometimes is doesn't happen very often. So when right. you, you better cash in because it may never happen again for a few years. And they've struggled until they drafted two last year. They've struggled to that position even ever since I've been. And, right. and C- coach, good point with that. And I think my follow up to your response would be if they were able to follow Dr. Andrews suggestion with Drew Brees, do you think you would have left Miami? Because at that time, the only concern about Drew Brees was the shoulder because he was already basically a made man in the National Football League, consistent, accurate, a winner. But if he was, if you were able to sign Drew Brees, do you think you would have ever left Miami, the Dolphins? Let me put it this way. All right. When we made the decision that he didn't pass the physical and we couldn't sign him because of that, because that's mm-hmm. a written rule uh, in the NFL. From an owner's perspective, if a guy doesn't pass the medical, you know, then you've got a protocol on the team where you're not going to bring, you're not going to spend his money on guys that may be injured. I mean, that's kind of that. I would say when that happened, that made me realize that, you know, it was going to be very difficult to be successful there. And I was very disappointed that I couldn't control my own destiny, which I always felt I could by trying to do a good job. And now somebody else was making a decision that was going to make it. Mm-hmm difficult to be successful so I kind of made the decision that you know maybe it would be better to go someplace where you can control your own destiny I never knew that a really good college job would come available I actually you know at that point not knowing that Alabama was ever picture I was like I wouldn't mind going back to LSU now (laughs) but (laughs) anyway it kind of worked out and we've been really really happy here and even though I really enjoy coaching in the league, you also, I don't care where you play at what level, you like to win and you like to give yourself a better. When I felt like we didn't have that chance because of the misfortune of that decision, I just decided it was better to do it someplace else. Yeah. And, Coach, uh, since obviously you didn't have a – like you talked about, if you don't have a quarterback, you can't win the pros and you went back to Alabama. And you have not yet missed on a quarterback – at Alabama for us in the recruiting process. So what is your, not necessarily your niche, or I guess the thing you're looking for, what is your thing of finding these quarterbacks, these diamonds in the rough? Because you never hear about them during the recruiting process, but when they get there to be a start quarterback at Alabama, they're successful. Well, I think that we've been fortunate that some guys have done a good job. But, you know, one thing that we try to do here is we've always had pretty good players around the quarterback. I think what we've been able to convince the quarterback of is, hey, you don't have to win the game. You just have to distribute the ball in a way to let these other guys have a chance to win the game, whether it's Julio Jones or Derrick Henry or, you know, Mark Ingram or, you know, Amari Cooper or whoever. Or the, We've had four first-round draft picks here after this year in the last two years. So right. don't think that you have to make plays that are going to – take big risk and throw interceptions and turn the ball over. So we've been able to allow these guys to function, I think, in a pretty conservative fashion, but still have a lot of productivity because of the players around them. So 
I don't think we've had a quarterback that we have to say, you have to win the game. You know, all you have to do is allow these players around you to win the game. And they've been very effective at doing that. And, and I think, um, hopefully, you know, we're, we're going to have, you know, a new quarterback this year and hopefully he'll be able to do the same thing. Yeah. And, and, and coach, this is a two part question for you. You know, you mentioned that you're 69 years old. You don't look 69, by the way. So, uh, continue to drink the water or, or, or the sodas you've been drinking because it's working for you. But is there a shelf life that you think about for coaching? And with all the success you've been able to obtain and achieve in your coaching career, what still motivates Nick Saban? Well, I think the shelf life for me doesn't come with age or a number. It comes with do you still feel like you can create value in the organization by doing a good job and having an impact on, you know, helping the players in the program have a better chance to be more successful in life because of the program that you have, whether it's personal development, academic support, graduating from school, helping them develop careers with football players. Uh, as long as I can do that, then I feel good about doing this. But I don't want to ride the program down. I mean, get to the point where you're not making a contribution and, and still try to continue to do it. So I, I really, and I don't know when that's coming. I don't know what number, you know, that is, but you know, I look at this whole thing in college coaching, you lose about 25% of your team every year. So it's almost like you took a new job. Yeah. You know, the day after the national championship game or the day after the last game that you played, it's like, okay, this is a new job. We got, we're going to lose 25% of our team, a lot of really good players. Most of the time, the leadership on the team leaves. All right, so you have all these new challenges with people in new roles. And uh, that's very challenging, you know, to me. And I still uh, enjoy doing that part of it. Um, I don't like to lose. Um, right. You know, it's it's all sort of – and every year it's a different challenge. Like, you know, when you win a championship, it's the complacency and all the things that go with that people not understanding that success is not a continuum. It's momentary. You got to move on and you got to try to still figure out a better way and do all the things you did to help you be successful in the past. That's very challenging because it's not human nature to do that. You know, when we have success, we think we should be rewarded. I mean, that's, that's the way it goes. But uh, in, in sports, you, you really can't, you can't smell the roses too long because somebody's going to be nipping at your heels and everybody's got that <laughs> circle next year to play their best against you. So, you know, you got to get refocused on what you need to do and you got to get people in your organization refocused on what you need to do. And that's very challenging. So I enjoy that part of it. And, and coach, because of the pandemic this past season, we saw something that we I never thought would, would be available in college football, which was a conference only schedule. And, me personally, as a fan, I loved, I loved it. I really enjoyed week in and week out seeing competitive conference like football. Do you think that should be something college football should think about going forward and just having conference-only schedules? Well, you know, I've been criticized for my opinion about this for years. So, you know, I've been on the agenda to play nine or ten SEC games every year for a long time, I, and I get killed, you know, on that. And then I said – that if we're not going to do that, we should play all power five teams. Mm, I'm right there with you, coach. Yeah. Yeah. The issue in college football that keeps people from wanting to do that is you got all these teams that if they win six games, they get to be bowl eligible. So if they play eight SEC games and four other games that they think they can win, they have a really good chance of getting to be bowl eligible. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm saying 
well, why don't we play better teams and then do it like they do in basketball? You know, have some kind of power rating that says, okay, the top 30, some teams or how many bowl games there are, you have to go to bowl games. And it has nothing to do with your record. It's about mm-hmm. it's about strength of schedule and all that type of thing. Because I, I do think that, you know, players don't like playing in some of those games. Fans don't like going to some of those games. And I think it's it would be better for college football if we just played power five schools. Now, you can make a determination how, how many conference games should that be versus whether you go play Oklahoma or USC or somebody like that, because people like those, you know, kind of intersectional games as well. Hey coach, um, I had the pleasure to play with one of one of your players, Rashard Johnson, who I, who I think, you know, is you know, one of the smartest players that I've ever played with in this game. And most people may not know this, but he was a walk-on at Alabama. And we all know that you have a good eye. For DBs, but what made you give Richard a scholarship and an opportunity to play this game that he loved? First of all, he had he wasn't the fastest guy, he wasn't the biggest guy, but he was one of the smartest, most instinctive players, maybe that I've ever had the opportunity to coach. And uh, he loved the game, did a phenomenal job of preparing himself, you know, on tendencies and receiver locations and understood the defense and how we make adjustments as well as I did. He just that kind of competitive person. Uh, but he wasn't like anxious about it. You know, he, he didn't, you know, some guys are like that and they're like obsessive, compulsive, anxious, you know, right. he wasn't like that. He was like, okay, um, here we go. And this is what we do. I'll do it. And uh, the guy was really, really productive, made a lot of interceptions, made a lot of big plays. And for a guy that wasn't very big, uh, he was a good tackler. He wasn't an overly physical tackler, but you know the, the the three things I always talk about defensive backs: if you can play man to man, if you can tackle, and you can play the ball in a deep part of the field, I mean, those are sort of the critical factors to me. Now, we we could you know break down you know fifteen different physical skill sets that help you do those things, but those are the fatal flaws if you don't have those. And he didn't really have any of those. And even though you could take him out one-on-one and he didn't seem to be a great man-to-man player, because he studied the guy he had to cover so much, he could do it effectively. And, you know, I hate to call someone an overachiever because he really wasn't. But based on his physical ability and his talent, he got more out of it than probably anybody that I've ever coached. Yeah. And you know what, Coach, another DB I used to enjoy watching there in Tuscaloosa was Levi Wallace. You talk about being kind of an overachiever, a guy who exceeded the expectations, and he's still playing real good football uh, for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Real quick, Coach, we're going to wrap up in just a second, but I had a question I definitely want to ask you personally. How soon do you get into the next season after winning a championship? Because we've heard stories that instantly the very next day – you're already, you know, recruiting or you're already getting ready for spring. But how soon is that turnaround for you? After winning a championship, you know, how soon do you get ready for the next season? Well, I guess it starts in a locker room after the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cole, you don't get, you really don't, you don't even celebrate? <laughs> well, I mean, you can, but, um, <laughs> the number one thing is, you know, you want to get together with the juniors that you have on your team that could go out for the draft and try to make sure that even though we've talked about this before and we've given them all their draft grades, you know, when I was at LSU, you know, I won't mention any names, but we had a guy that I didn't used to do this in the locker room after the game where I talked to everybody 
and a guy went out and signed with an agent after we won the national championship in 2003. Mm-hmm. And then the guy really didn't want to go out. All right. Mm-hmm. Like a third round draft pick or something. And he had no choice, but he said he thought he signed, um, a different kind of agreement that really wasn't an agreement to represent him. But we lost the guy with that. So I said, Hey, you know, I need to talk to these guys leading up to the game. And then the first thing I need to do after the game is get them all in a room and say, Hey, until we sit down and talk and we go home the next day, you know, nobody's doing anything with an agent. I, um, I, I guess you could say it starts right then. And then it starts the next day because you have coaches leave coach takes the head coaching job at Texas or whatever. So you got to go back to trying to hire, you know, coaches. So it really, you can't stop. I mean, really, I mean, when, when I do it is in the summertime. Yeah. When I have vacation, I go to my lake house or whatever, our lake house for a couple, three weeks. And, you know, that's when I enjoy it. Maybe take a week off for spring break. But if you think when the season's over, that's the time to, you know, chill out, have a good time and, and not worry about things for a week or two. You're going to be upside down faster than you know it. Yeah. I, I guess that, that, that trip shows the results that you have been able to bring in as a head coach. You know, we heard uh, Belichick say no days off, you know what I mean? And, and for the great ones, they do things differently than the norm. And I guess you definitely have been doing things differently throughout your co- coaching career because of all the championships and all the wins. The last question I have for you here, coach, we're going to wrap things up with you. Uh, we know if it was up to you, we wouldn't see any uh, playoff expansion, right? But with the NCAA and with the money that the playoffs have been able to bring in, it's looking like at some point in time, they will probably try to expand the playoffs. When do you expect to see something like that happen? Well, let me clarify my position on that. You know, I've always been one say that bowl games and playoffs are going to have a tough time coexisting together. And bowl games have always been a very positive thing for college football players because a lot of people get a lot of positive self-gratification for having a good season. Maybe you didn't win the championship or whatever, but you get a chance to go to a good bowl game, have some fun. It's a, it's a really good, you know, positive reinforcement for college football players. But all I said was when we had a two-team playoff, if we make a four-team playoff, that's going to take away from the bowl games and all people are going to talk about is the playoffs. So my issue is not expanding the playoff. It's the more you expand the playoff, the less important bowl games become. Yeah. Nobody even talks about bowl games now. All they talk about is who's getting in the playoffs, who are the four yeah. teams, and that's it. You don't even hear about, you know, the other games and all that stuff. So – that's always been my issue with the playoff. So is, is bowl games get sort of put on the side shelf. Mm-hmm. If we want to expand the playoffs, that's okay. But I, I, I don't think you can have bowl games and do that as well. So gotcha. I've been one that if we're going to have playoffs, why don't, why don't we make the bowl games, you know, part of that? And then the other thing is, is for college football players. You know, we've had several seasons around here. We played 15 games and I don't know how many times you guys have played 15 games in a season with the playoffs, with the SEC championship game, with 12 game season. That's really hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we shouldn't be playing any more than 14 or 15 games. So if you expand the playoff, then, you know, maybe you got more games. 
turns into an NFL season. I was this yeah. when you the SEC championship game. That is a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, right. Twice we were one and two, and then we played Georgia one year. We're one and three. I, I mean, and when we play LSU most years, we're both in the top five. So you, you're playing playoff games, you know, all the way through. Yeah, uh, in our league, so you you have to eliminate something. I guess is my before we're going to ex- expand the playoffs because I don't think it's fair to college football players for them to have to play more games than what they play now. Well, Coach, well said. I agree with you also. I think when you talk about the players, that's something that many people, the decision makers, are not thinking about. Because when I played college football, especially when I was getting ready for the NFL, I mean, playing 14, 15 ball games would be the unthinkable. You know what I mean? For a lot of these kids, that's a lot of football. And then for the guys that have draft aspirations, they got to get ready for the senior bowl. They got to get ready for the combine. That is a lot for any uh, young player to go through. So I'm right there with you. I think it should stay how it is for playoff teams, the full four get in. In the last few years, I don't think we haven't had an issue with the champion. I think everybody felt like the best team actually won the last few championships in college football. Well, coach, last thing I got for you, how soon could we see you and Pat Peterson on the golf course? Yeah, I was just about to ask that, man. How, when, when can we get on, on the green, coach? You said in the summertime and the He's, springtime. Just, set it up, Pat. Okay. I, need, I need, I need to come see you. I'm I'm ready, but you know I'm big on what's your handicap. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so coach, you going you have some you have to set some rules when you when y'all lock up on the course. I'm a I'm a I'm a four handicap coach. I mean, whether it's a traveler or getting enough shots or whatever it is, or having the right partner. I mean, right. Justin Thomas to come in and be my partner, which he usually is, and then you can figure out who your partner's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Pat P, you heard you heard the name he called out, so you yeah, better make yeah. sure your partner's I, legit. I, I, I might, I might, I might have to call up Brooks Kepka then. Are you the John Rom? Are you the John? Get get John Rom on, on yeah, your team. Yeah, yeah, I, I might have to call up one of the big time man. Yeah, because he's you heard who he called out. Coach not playing yeah, he, around. He, and he one thing, out JT. And one thing we know about Coach, like he said, he does not accept losing like to losing. He's he not like so he's lose. not going to lose if you get on the golf course, Pat P. Hey man, we we in the same boat because I don't like losing either. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coach, man, it, it's a pleasure having you here on our show. All things covered, Patrick Peterson, Brian McFadden, man. Best of luck to you, your team, your family, man. Much success, man. Continue to be the motivator that you've been for so many young adults. You know what I mean? You've been able to change a lot of individual lives, and not just for players that you coach, but people who watch you and admire your your day to day grind. So continue to, to to keep that same grind. And until next time, maybe. In the summertime, we get a chance to have our, our camera crew watching you and Pat P go toe-to-toe in a golf course. I think that'd be pretty cool. You know, God bless you and have a good day, man. Thanks again to Coach Nick Saban and thanks to everyone listening to this episode of All Things Covered. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with you next week where you can expect All Things Will Be Covered. Peace. Peace.